Visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Listening to Radio Taiwan International. Up ahead this hour, it's hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight. But we start off today with a brand new episode of Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. Today is Thursday, July 16th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today, we've got Lim Bung Yi. Hi. And Catherine Wei. Hello. Up next, Taiwan cracks down on shark fishing, then tinted windows and why they're causing a bit of a controversy online here in Taiwan. Then stray dogs get a new lease on life helping children. All that coming up next. Please stick around. up today, though, I wanted to share with everyone the conclusion to a saga that actually we've been covering for a while now on this program. I think it's been at least a month since the last time we talked about it, but I guess you guys will have heard about this by now, too. Um, so, uh, about in May, I would say, there was talk about closing down uh, the uh, lobby of Taipei Main Station permanently. And now that's, for those who haven't visited Taipei before, a huge area known for its checkerboard pattern floor. And what it's mostly become known for uh, is sort of being a hangout place, especially for migrant workers from Southeast Asia on the weekends. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty nice, actually. You could probably play an enormous game of chess on it. Yeah. It looks like uh, it's it's massive. The ceiling's very high. It's air conditioned. Mm -hmm. It doesn't it's rain a huge inside. Place. Yeah, <laughs> so they much have, space. They have a nice Christmas tree once a year too. It's huge. Oh, um, okay. I didn't know uh, about that. They do. Uh, well, I, maybe they don't anymore. They used to every year. Uh, anyway, uh, the idea was that they would have a temporary ban on sitting in the halls floor, and the idea. Uh, officially, was that this was supposed to help uh, control the COVID-19 pandemic and ensure that uh, foot traffic wouldn't be disrupted either. But uh, this caused a lot of backlash, actually, uh, because, well, I think people thought that maybe the COVID-19 wasn't quite the real reason they were doing it. Maybe this was a discriminatory measure mm -hmm. uh, aimed at you know, not migrant letting migrant workers. workers sit on the floor. Uh, and, and that the COVID-19 was sort of more of a pretext than anything else. Mm. Anyway, um, it's a large space, the opponents say. And, you know, I've been there on weekends. They don't cause any trouble. They're not out there to bother anyone. And no. you're not going to, like, trip over them or anything. It's pretty... It's and, pretty tame. Yeah, yeah, and these days everyone has... I don't see anyone really buying tickets. Everyone has, like, those easy cards that you just swipe to get on the train mm -hmm. anyway. So I don't even know what the ticket booths are there for, I guess. I don't know. They've moved them out of the way, I think. Anyway, it's, it's... I mean, no one's no one's causing any trouble. Um, so, uh, anyway, the, the, the Taiwan Railways Administration, which, which owns the building, I guess, held two seminars to try and decide what to do, to hear different opinions, hear people oh. out... And um, so there's a consensus now, and actually they're welcoming people, and with a smile, or actually many smiles. Uh, the word smile has been translated into 10 languages, among them uh, Indonesian, Vietnamese, Filipino, and Thai and Malaysian, with uh, decals, I guess, with those words, and mm -hmm. also smiley faces, uh, put on the floor. 
And this apparently happened uh, just about a day or two ago. The idea is that it's going to create a more friendly environment. There's ten of them. They must be huge, though, because... The tiles are pretty big. They are pretty big. Um, Anyway, the idea is to to show everyone that everyone can use it. All are welcome. And uh, that seems to have uh, solved the problem. The checkerboard, it says, has been there for many years. But the use of the public space should be more diverse. And this is uh, according uh, to someone from the the TRA, the Railways Administration. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's actually a very nice ending to this story. It is. It's good news. It is. Um, and, I mean, COVID-19 is under control domestically. People right. are gathering. Uh, Everyone's been traveling. I don't think gathering in a, in a giant hallway will will add to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, they are saying that they want people to like keep wearing masks and stuff just in case, mm-hmm. but that's reasonable, I think. Right. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the conclusion to this many months long <laughs> saga. been pretty serious about cracking down on uh, sharks and I guess shark finning in particular you see a lot of ads like wildlife aid type mm-hmm. of those NGO sort think, of ads yeah Greenpeace has been working hard um, on it too. on the subways mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty visible and I think I, I think especially young people probably don't really care for that very much anyway so. no it's not a popular dish w- with wedding banquets anymore it no. used to be like the thing yeah it's definitely fallen from favor but now uh i mean there are legal of course i think they have been legal mm-hmm. uh penalties if you get caught with shark fins and fit, you know illegally shark fishing and they're being uh, are they ratcheted up is it i think yeah so they're adding uh different breeds of sharks to oh. to the mix um, it, it hasn't been an overall crackdown. I think there are definitely restaurants that are still selling shark fin soup. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Um, I've heard that, that that's true of other foods, too. They use, like, code names that everyone knows what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the you can see them on the signs. Like, we okay. sell it. Yeah, but... Um, so, with this newest policy, they're banning uh, fishing uh, big white sharks and megamouth sharks. Mega Mouth Sharks. That's yeah. like a video game character. I know. I looked it up. It looked terrifying. But they're harmless. <laughs> they feed on plankton, like a oh, whale shark. That's yeah. kind of cute. Why would you want to eat that? I know. Why would you prey on something so... Gentle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so defenseless. <laughs> but the new penalty is uh, 150000 ta- new Taiwan dollars, or three years behind bars. Oh. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing. Like, yeah. This has to be made known to people like... My my grandma maybe she really? is a big fan of shark fishing. Is she? Have she you is. had a, have you had a, 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 a I don't know I don't want to say an argument but we've know. had conversations and I think she just agreed with me to to kind of shut me up but oh. I know she still goes with her friends really and yeah uh oh so uh oh quite a generation gap there isn't there there is hmm. have you ever uh, been offered a shark's fin soup. Of course, and I think um, for many older generations, they think it's a must when, especially in the wedding ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you are going to those uh, mm-hmm. wedding dinners, it is a must to have to be served a sharp fin soup, mm. so that um, it shows 
that you are generous to your um, the people you invite right. to the mm-hmm. dinner because it's not it's not a cheap dish at all. No. Yeah, it's not <laughs> cheap. It's, it's very expensive. The, the yeah. sort of, I know a lot of food served at weddings sound like other things that are nice and pleasant to, and uh, they're chosen for that for that reason, or they represent something. Does shark fins represent anything in particular? I don't think so. It's just because of the price. Just because yeah. of the price. Yeah, you're generous to your guests. Yep. And is this is I understand you're originally from Malaysia. Is this yep. also uh, common among Malaysian Chinese? communities that it is here yes it's very common and i think it's still very common until today to see it mm. in a wedding dinner wow so i guess we have a lot of work to do huh yeah mm. definitely <laughs> There are many things that I think uh, might surprise people who are coming to Taiwan for the first time, uh, but I never imagined that tinted windows would be one of those things. Now that you mention it, though, people do often have very dark windows, and uh, I don't think they could get away with that in many other parts of the world. Uh, but it's okay to do so in Taiwan because recently a Japanese just posted a few pictures featuring the cars in Taiwan on the internet and it has sparked off a really interesting discussion on the internet. The Japanese are really surprised to see that the car tinting uh, in Taiwan, the car looks really dark, like you literally can't see what's happening inside because it's prohibited in Japan. The, the laws prohibited them to um, tint their cars, especially no, tint their cars for the window at the drivers and the passengers' seat, mm. and they think it's really dangerous because it obstructs the view of the driver. I think the I think you can see out but not in. Mm. I think what, yeah. My understanding, what I heard about this, because I know where I'm from in the states is also there are very uh, strict rules about this. It has something to do with like a police officer couldn't see in, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. We have the same. Um, in Malaysia, car tinting is uh, restricted as well because right. of the same reason. Because just for it, the front front seat drivers area, or just the whole car. The whole car, because uh, it might pose danger to the police Mm -hmm. if they want to check on the car, and maybe you're doing something fishy inside the car. Mm. I see. When I see those cars here, that's my first thought: is let's stay away from that car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it looks dangerous. You don't know what's happening inside. So, what's the discussion been like? All right. So the Japanese are really surprised, but um, the Taiwanese they think was a big deal because it's really common to do so in Taiwan. So um, the Japanese think it would obstruct the view of the driver, especially in the night because it's really dark. And But for Taiwanese, there is no law prohibiting them for doing so, except for um, cars for commercial purpose, say taxi or those vans carrying kindergarten children. To them oh, from that schools. would be a bit strange to see. <laughs> what kind of a kindergarten is that? <laughs> yeah, wow. it's for safety purpose, mm. but there's no restriction for your own car. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things. Uh, I have uh, Japanese friends who've come here. I studied in Japan as well, and uh, uh, yeah, there's a uh, among other things, things like being able to have more than one person on a scooter at once. For instance, in Japan, it's illegal. I was told to it's have someone on the illegal? back. Illegal? Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's like the only way to go in Taiwan. I, I know. Yeah. So I think like where wow. to even begin when it comes to things like These that. These differences, yeah. right? Last 
Last week we heard about uh, dogs getting military uh, decorations and becoming school principals. These dogs may not be getting such big awards, but they're definitely doing an important job. It's important work, all right. So the Taran city government will be working with stray dogs. Um, they are they're training the stray dogs to become qualified therapy dogs for children. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah, they'll be working with kids with Tourette's or Asperger's or children with um, emotional difficulties or learning disabilities to kind of encourage them to open up or trust people more. Hmm. Hmm. I think that would just make me trust animals more. (laughs) Me too. Like, I would trust the therapy dog who follows me everywhere, but I don't know about others. So is that the idea? It's like a seeing eye dog type of thing where they do follow the people there. I don't do you call them clients um, everywhere. I think they might be going into schools for this. Um, They're helping uh, kids between the ages of 6 to 12. And um, yeah, the people who are working on it says that therapy dogs have been proven to be effective working Mm -hmm. with kids. So especially with um, expressing your emotions. Right. Yeah. So scientifically proven. (laughs) And and, uh, how did this program get started? Do we know anything about uh, how long it's been going on? Uh, they, the, the team was founded last July. It's the only, um, only team of therapy dogs working with children and, oh, also the elderly Oh, elderly. in Taiwan. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and they're serving over 10 cities and counties starting last year. So Taoyuan's just one of them. Taoyuan's just one of them. They also work with hospitals and they have three dogs on the team right now. Is this a city government initiative or is it a, um, like an NGO or some type of private group behind this? Uh, I think it's a private. It might be between a private group and an NGO. It's called Taiwan Xinfu Chen Pei Dui. Oh, that's a cute name. Is it the Taiwan Happy Dog <laughs> <laughs> Companion Team? Association. Yes. And so they're working with hospitals and, and different city governments. Okay. So they're doing the outreach, I think. Yeah, I don't think we see much in the way of, uh, of, of that. I know that some schools have, for instance, classroom pets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the one that got nominated principal last week. That's yes. how popular yeah. it was. Um, but I think... Uh, when it comes to like out in the outside the school campus, what you mostly see almost exclusively is seeing eye dogs. We don't really have much in the way of say emotional support dogs. No, sort of especially thing. not in hospitals where it's always like a sterile environment. Right. But now they're talking about bringing the dogs into hospitals too. That's very innovative. I know. Maybe there's a special little area for them. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that we just got our first driverless minibus here in Taiwan? What? Um, it looks like it may have just, uh, it says here, hit the road uh, yesterday uh, in a trial run. And this was done in Zhanghua County, um, which I guess is smart. You wouldn't want to tr- start a trial like that somewhere crowded like Taipei. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and definitely not where I live. There's all these random alleyways. Uh, probably not great for a driverless. Mm. I can't see autonomous vehicles working where I live. But anyway, uh, this has been dubbed the Win Bus. That's oh. a good name. And it's okay. safe. As far as I can tell, um, this article seems to have been written before the trial, so maybe we'll have a follow-up. <laughs> but uh, it says that it's set to drive along... Well, this is good, though. A fixed route, it looks like. 7.5 mm-hmm. kilometers long, so it can learn the route and not... And people know where to avoid it. Sure. Um, and this is probably not... 
Uh, well, depending on your taste, it may or may not be the sort of bus you'd like to uh, follow along. That route may, may or may not be interest of, of interest to you, is what I mean. Because the route uh, is in the Zhanghua Coastal Industrial Park. Oh, so let's go to the industrial. Not exactly touristy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they do, however, have some local landmarks. There is a health museum. It's called, specifically called Brand's Health Museum. I'm not sure who Brand is. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe a doctor? Maybe. Um, and... There's a ribbon museum. Ooh. Wow, that's very specific. Very niche. <laughs> well, actually, they're in Lugong Township, which is also home to a glass museum. I have been there. Mm-hmm. Did and, you like, like Everything it? is made of glass. Oh, wow. They have an entire temple made of glass. So it's one of those very quirky little places. Mm-hmm. If, if you like quirky things, I think that's a the and Lugong. And you're is super good, into museums. There you go. Um, all the components and parts are made in Taiwan, believe it or not. Um, and... It says that there's a chain of local companies involved, uh, but uh, it was developed by our leading transportation vehicle testing institute, and uh, there's support from the economics ministry. Um, I can definitely see room for them uh, improving this. What, what surprises me, though, is um, we always heard, we were for a while anyway hearing about these uh, automated bus runs here in Taipei. Do you remember those a few years back? I don't. They were doing them late at night, and I just wonder what happened to that. We never heard about was it that again. In Taipei? Yeah, it was. It was. I guess it was supposed to be the wave of the future or something, mm-hmm. but apparently. Well, maybe because of all the Tesla. I don't know. Actually, speaking of Tesla, apparently, let me find where it says this. It has like the same autonomous technology as the vehicles produced by Tesla. Okay. So there, I don't know if there. And who will be it. the passengers? It says that the county government has invited members of the public to take the test ride on the bus, but space will be limited. And they're expecting long lines. Oh, wow. But it's only going to be in the industrial park. Regardless, it's Taiwan. There's a line. People will line up in it. They will. It's our national pastime. People say it's (laughs) baseball, but actually it's just lining up for things, especially novelties. Um, And uh, they expect to put more, it looks like it is, when I say self-driving bus, I mean one self-driving bus, Mm -hmm. but they expect to put more on the same route if it's successful, and it may be expanded by a further 12.6 kilometers. No word on what museums are located on (laughs) on that route. Um, uh, But this is uh, kind of exciting, and in fact, they're advising people to book ahead. Wow. You have to book to drive through the... Through the industrial park. COVID-19 has us so bored. <laughs> well, it is exciting. Like, I it kind like of to, is. If it, if it comes to Taipei, I will try. Yeah, the only thing is like... I mean, you know, sometimes human bus drivers will ignore you when you press the I want to get off bell. Mm-hmm. Yes. But who do you yell at if it's a robot? <laughs> I don't know. What if the doors never open? It, oh, it never stops. Yeah, you're not going to be the spokesperson for this. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, this story has me a bit worried. Did you know that uh, scientists recently found what they think could be a future vent for a volcanic eruption near, near us? No. no. Under, under Yangmingshang National Park. The volcano wow. is... Oh, what? 
So the Da Twin Volcano, they decided, I think a few years back now. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I could be wrong about that. It feels like it was a few years back. Then again, everything does <laughs> since this whole pandemic started. Uh, that it is, in fact, alive. It's alive and well. And actually, they described it as having a heartbeat, which is a sort of swarm of mini earthquakes that we uh-huh. can't feel that happens pretty much on the dot once every 18 minutes. That sounds very much alive to me. Yeah. And it, ha- it breathes, apparently, is what one researcher said. Because a lot of those little earthquakes are caused by gas rising Mm -hmm. from the lava chamber beneath and finding a weak point and breaking through. Oh, wow. So anyway, but there is one in particular they call it a volcanic conduit. And I think that is probably the weakest of the weak spots. It's like Mm -hmm. two kilometers deep, about 500 meters around. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's where they think... We're going to have... Well, it, they said there's no no need to be alarmed. That's what they say. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's actually good that we have this because uh, it gives us something to look out for, warning signs. At least uh-huh. now we have some clue about where it might come from. Uh, right, right. Um, and they are going to start, I think we've talked about this before, a volcano observation center, probably mm-hmm. at the end of the year to sort of keep an eye on these and things. And they'll have alerts, I hope. They, they're supposed to. I heard it was going to be a color-coded. Is that right? Yeah. I yeah. Think so. Um, either way, I can see this from my bathroom, so I will have a spectacular view. <laughs> Hopefully it's not close enough <laughs> to hit me. You don't have to evacuate. Hopefully it's not close enough to me to come at me. But um, um, yeah, uh, they, they were looking at earthquakes that happened uh, between 2014 and 2017 using seismographical techniques. I can't explain it. They <laughs> did a, a comparison anyway. It says uh-huh. the, the Chinese says they piled them on top of each other. I'm not sure what that means. Mm. And uh, somehow using what they found doing this, they were able to locate it. Um, so uh, it's sort of close to the, the Daiyokong. I don't know if you've been there before. In, I think I have, yeah. Um, that looks like that itself could be a big place where it could blow up. Oh, gosh. It's like a... Well, can you describe it for our listeners? It's like a... It's just... Steaming... Yeah, there's constant steam coming out of it, and there's a very strong smell of sulfur, mm. so... It's yeah. it's a gigantic hole in the top of the mountain, and mm-hmm. all around, like the ground is bubbling too. You have right? To be careful yeah, the whole just... area just feels very different. It, like you step into, I don't know. It felt like going back into the prehistoric days. <laughs> it is a bit Jurassic Park up there, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, um, and you definitely don't want to leave the marked path because there's no. boiling water <laughs> and stuff. Um, so they say that it's it's what they mean by. Um, active volcano, though, is that it's erupted in the past 10,000 years. So that's kind of probably not in our lifetime. So the last time was for for this particular... Volcano. It was a long time ago. Okay, and I'm not that worried. <laughs> um, but yes, well, you know, I guess we should be reassured that there's somebody with an eye on it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Who can kind of maybe give us a, a heads up. Uh, the other active volcano for anyone who's interested is uh, Mount, Turtle Mountain Island, or Guishandao, which is off Elan oh. County. I know um, there's an underwater volcano. Is it that one? Yeah, that's the one. Okay, uh, I just went a couple weeks ago. It's really pretty. It's very pretty. The waters are a very different color. It's like beautiful turquoise so because of the sulfur. Those are the two uh, places we got to look out for here. Um, okay. So that could become the vent. And actually, I'm not sure why we're just finding out th- about this now, because apparently they published all this in April in Scientific Reports, which is the name of a journal. Mm-hmm. Maybe they needed to fact check, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was kept under wraps. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, have you been up to, to Yangmingshan National Park? It's right in our backyard. No, no, no. I haven't been there. Oh, you should go check it out. Uh, you can see 
Well, I don't know if they marked where the. <laughs> I guess they're <laughs> the gonna want to keep people away from there. But uh, definitely, Daiyokong, this uh, steaming. It's not a geyser. What's the term for it? I think they call it a fumarole. It's a huge. I don't know the term. Plume. Is it hot over there? Not really. No, no. they don't let you get close enough to where it's hot. It's okay. there's kind of fenced off a bit, but it's huge. You can mm-hmm. see it from a long way away too. Okay. Um, I definitely recommend a, a weekend trip up. There's a mini bus that'll take you up there. Not a self-driving one. No. Nope. Get excited. <laughs> With a driver and all. But um, uh, yeah, you can head up there. And, and yeah, uh, the hot springs are famous. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it comes at a price, though. <laughs> the hot springs? Yeah, I, we got to be careful. Mm. Well, that just about does it for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. Uh, don't go anywhere just yet, though, because in a moment we'll be taking you over to hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight. For Here in Taiwan, I'm John Van Trieste. I'm Lim Bunyi. And I'm Catherine Wei. Welcome to this week's Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. In this week's show, we're going to be talking about Somaliland. Now, if you think I mean Somalia, then you should stick around and listen to what this show is about. Somaliland is a region in northern Somalia that has declared independence from Somalia itself. Taiwan recently reached an agreement with Somaliland where the two agreed to establish representative offices with each other. This move kind of came out of nowhere from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, so Thai people in Taiwan were actually quite curious. Today we're going to focus on how actually people from Taiwan and people from Somaliland came together online, and we're going to be taking a look at some of their first interactions. All that and more coming up next on Hashtag Taiwan. Don't go away. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about Somaliland. Not Somalia, Somaliland. Now, I'm sure there's a few of you looking at your computer screen right now going, Oh, that Leslie, he definitely failed geography back in school. But the truth of the matter is, I actually had to do a bit of geography homework for this week's hashtag. So this is a map of Somalia, and this is a region in northern Somalia that declared independence in 1991, which calls itself Somaliland. Now I must stress that Somaliland is a self-declared independent state that maintains it is separate from Somalia as a country. Somaliland has its own government, president, passport, and currency. Last week, Taiwan and Somaliland agreed to establish representative offices in each other's countries. Representative offices aren't quite embassies, but they are a diplomatic mechanism. Taiwan and Somaliland have ambiguous international status. Somalia claims that Somaliland is part of their country, while China claims Taiwan is part of their territory. Neither Taiwan nor Somaliland are recognized by the UN. I'll let this next tweet say what's on most people's minds. Carl Tan tweets, 
urge y'all to follow some of the Somalilanders who have replied to my tweet here and learn about our newest ally. Sidebar. Somaliland and Taiwan are not yet official diplomatic allies. They've only just established representative offices with each other. Somaliland has been an independent country since 1991, yet Somalia falsely claims them as their territory. Sound familiar? With the beginning of Taiwan-Somaliland relations, people from both countries started reaching out to each other on social media and learning about one another. Katie Lilly tweeted, Discovering Somaliland Twitter is like looking into a mirror of Taiwan Twitter. Here is the history of my under-acknowledged country. Check out this hyper-specific meme I developed. I know this isn't a perfect place, but here are the reasons why I heart it and hope it will improve. Ismail Sherwak tweeted, I was too young when I was told that Taiwan is the country Somaliland should emulate and learn from. In my 20s, I am glad to see Somaliland and Taiwan as a friend. Together, we can push the world to realize our success stories and recognize our countries. It's really heartwarming to see Somalilanders this open and friendly to relations with Taiwan. Eslander wrote, Taiwan offers us hope of survival. Landers are an optimistic lot and they have been singing themselves to sleep with lullabies of recognition coming for 30 years. But on the darkest of moments, we always say, look at Taiwan, it survived and thrived despite facing a huge bully. That's actually really inspiring, but to think that Somalilanders have a lullaby about impending recognition makes me think that we should be the ones looking to them. Now, there are countless awe-inspiring and encouraging texts left on Katie's tweet. If you're in need of some heartwarming news, I urge you to check it out for yourself. I'll have a link for you in the show notes below. Now, all I gotta do is write an empowering Taiwanese lullaby that can inspire people for the next 30 years. (sighs) Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. Thanks again for joining us on this week's edition of Hashtag Taiwan. Now, as always, if you wanted to reach out and either say hi or suggest future topics, my mind's always open and so is my mailbox. You can reach me at www.facebook.com slash Radio Taiwan International or www.facebook.com slash Taiwan Insider. I check both of those inboxes and if you send us a message, I will be sure to reply. Once again, thank you so much, and until next week, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay safe. I'll see you around. Volcanoes in Taiwan, well, we always knew that Taiwan was created by volcanoes, but we always thought they were extinct. In today's Taiwan Explained, I'm going to be telling you why they are creating a brand new volcano warning system for Taiwan. All right. This is exciting, kind of. (laughs) Yeah, kind of scary. Yes, but uh, tell us what we need to know, Andrew. All right. Well, let's start off with telling you where these volcanoes are located. Now, if you live in northern Taiwan, you're definitely going to want to watch this. It's hard to imagine a volcano erupting in Taiwan, but there are actually volcanoes in Taipei, including more than 20 in the Datun Volcano Group. And then there's Turtle Island off the coast of Yilan County. Taiwan's top research body, Academia Sinica, says that what were thought to be extinct volcanoes are actually active. 
The Central Weather Bureau's Lin Tzu Wei says there's evidence of a volcanic eruption some 6,000 years ago. Academia Sinica says that seismic waves suggest there's a magma chamber about 30 kilometers deep. And like a ticking time bomb, the Datun volcanoes could go off at any time. And in their path, some of Taipei's most populated districts, Taoma's tallest building, Taipei 101, is just 15 kilometers away. So, Andrew, how likely could a volcano erupt in Taipei? Well, uh, the last time it happened, as we just heard, was about 6,000 years ago. Now, in order for it to be extinct, it has to be 10,000 years ago. But still, 6,000 years, that's, that's, that's a, a long time. time. Yeah. yeah, It's been a while. It's been a while. So <laughs> we shouldn't I, worry too much. Uh, but still, we have this new warning system just in case. And it's a three-tier warning system that I'm going to tell you about now. So first of all, a green light indicates normal activity. A yellow light suggests abnormal activity and means that a watch is in effect. And a red light is a warning that an eruption has taken place or could take place soon. So if there happens to be an eruption or is about to be an eruption, what's going to happen is they're going to send us one of those like presidential alerts like we get for a typhoon or uh, a similar natural disaster. And what they do is they geo-target those text messages. So it'll send it to everybody that's in the vicinity that could be affected. So how do they know a volcano would erupt? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked me that. So scientists are looking at three different things. Uh, The first is they're looking at changes in the Earth's crust. The second is they're uh, detecting certain types of gases which may be released from inside the Earth. And the last is they're monitoring changes to underwater temperatures. Okay, so we hope those things don't happen, right? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And uh, that is our Taiwan Explained on Volcanoes. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Novia Hu and Melinda Wang are co-founders of Nomel Skincare. The name, if you haven't discovered, came from Novia's No and Melinda's Mel, so Nomel. No male skincare. So why the two women started a business together? Well, what happened was that when they first met, they realized they have many things in common. And like they said, they were young, so they were adventuresome. So they said they should start a business together. They tried many different things before they decided on skincare products. They tried, what was it, like swimwear? Yeah, and beach towels. And then... There was something else, too. I forgot what it was. Um, anyway, so they decided on skincare because uh, what they said was that every woman uses skincare products every day or something like that. Today, they're going to start off by talking about what obstacles they had to go through to create their skincare business. What were some of the obstacles you had to overcome besides, you know, realizing that there is a so, minimum order and you yeah. need more money into this? <laughs> for sure. We did, did definitely, we planned some money uh, for the beginning and we ended up with uh, 500 bottles of each product. And, mm. and it was, that was like a thousand. Oh, right. There were two kinds. Right, right, yes. right. Oh. So we need to find a place to store them. <gasps> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we need to find an office. Yeah. So the brand was originally called House of R5. House of R5. R5. 
oh, R. R. The word R. A letter letter R. R. Uh-huh. It was like a combination of five R words, like revive, reborn, ah, rebuild, yeah. replay, okay. of five human senses. Yes. How about rejuvenate? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So that's one of our first obstacles, actually. Oh, and also we had um two perfume oils. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh, like we wanted to do, to do some very natural perfume oil without alcohol. Hmm. Because okay. it was related to oil, so it was like just a collection of oil. So at the beginning, the brand was more about the art of oil, so it was everything about oil, and then that's why it wanted to re, re like revive your senses, your five senses of your body, yes. right? Okay. With essential oils, and then but but that there, sounds like four products now. Then yes, it's actually it was four two fragrances, <laughs> and yeah. yes, four product in total. But they all from the similar base. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, two fragrances, I would say. Okay. So in two different form. So one is a very concentrated perfume oil, and then it's been diluted and uh, made into a beauty oil. Okay. So you can have a fragrance all around you, and also the skin oil to make you make your skin beautiful. Yeah. So the company the um, mm. is still just the two of you. No, we have seven, oh, eight people now with yeah. us working with I, us. Okay, that makes sense because I'm thinking <laughs> that you need someone to market. I mean, if we don't grow too, from two people, there's a problem we with this did. business. We did. We've been through a lot of like really a shocking experience. I can't even when I think back yeah. now, it's just crazy. We try to sell this product. We try to talk to people yeah. about mm-hmm. our concept, mm-hmm. and because it was based on art. Uh, we chose two famous painting as our inspiration for the fragrance. Okay. We try to do a smellable art, mm-hmm. like a oh. 4D uh, version of the art, because we both came from art background. Uh-huh. We want the young generation to remember art. Uh, we want art, like talk about art in your daily life. Uh-huh. Like let's not forget about them. Uh-huh. So we designed two perfume, the fragrance, the first no, middle no, and last no, based on the look or the color of the painting, which oh. is... I still think it's quite a cool idea, but hmm. it oh. was a mature idea. Mm-hmm. So when we start talking to people about art, and, and I think they just start falling asleep. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people are just not that into art in specific. They're more into what does this product function, do, the function, yes. the function side of things. But talking back about the first obstacle, why we had to rebrand and change our name. Was um, of course right. Yeah, I guess went through a rebranding. Okay. Yeah, we went through a rebranding because it was at the very beginning of the stage, and then we basically got like a lawsuit, kind of like um, a letter with the name House yeah. of R Five. Yeah, R Five because there's another brand. Five. Well, we can't talk about the other brand, <laughs> okay. obviously, yeah. but there's okay. another oh, really. I just said number yeah. five. <laughs> another famous brand that uses five a lot too. Uh-huh. Maybe. People, you guys can guess. Yeah. And then um, they were oh. saying, we were doing skincare, and we're doing something that's related to perfume too. So uh-huh. their number five is very famous uh-huh. for their perfume oh. side. Yeah. They kind of forced <laughs> us I to um, I don't see their call. So maybe that five is actually not that <laughs> famous. <laughs> They're very specific on their number. They're okay. saying they trademarked this number and it's theirs. So I think for us, we discussed you know we're at the beginning stage like why don't we kind of like just take it slow and kind of rebrand what this whole idea is about because we kind of went into this very spontaneously right and it slowly turned into a very serious business so i think we just took our time and kind of realized that you know we're two like really good friends we came together and started this business so why not make this you know evolve into a whole full collection instead of just oils how did how long did you guys come up with this the 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 new name Nomel. How long did it take you guys? It was um, 
pretty quick, pretty quick mm-hmm. right? about two just months time your name yeah mm-hmm. right it yeah. was pretty quick okay. I, I realized um this is something that no one can take away uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah no one yeah. can will not sue us for right <laughs> my <laughs> name and her name i know yeah. it sounds nice you know no male skincare it's very like yeah. soothing i guess yeah, yeah yeah it does it does okay so then did you guys ever fight over fight. anything and at, at any stage no you guys are so um, no, agreeable think, with each other. I think it's more like about constant communication. Yeah, uh-huh. we discuss think, about yeah. everything, literally. Everything. That's how it is with women. We discuss, mm. we talk about things. <laughs> yes, men they'll probably I don't know. I they want to ignore <laughs> feelings and stuff like that. They go into more the- a little bit more reckless, but <laughs> I guess uh, um, me and Mel's personality are both quite chill, uh-huh. really chilled out. So oh, um, that's great. I am really um, in actions. I'm really fast mm. in action. But what if and one once had an idea mm-hmm. and the other of you kind of didn't quite like the idea? Mm-hmm. How do you guys talk that over? Then say why you don't like it. Yeah, if I agree. Do. Let's do it your way. And then the mm. other... Oh, okay. And so the other person We're accepts really that disagreement okay. to each yeah. other and really um, embrace each other's idea wow. okay. mm. because we have the same goal. Yeah. Once you have the same goal, nothing will stop you, right? So, how long into your business when you guys realize that you need more people in the company? <laughs> Since From the, the beginning. very beginning. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, now from two to eight people, right? Yes. And yes. all the other six are also women. Most uh, of them 80%, are eighty percent. Yeah, eighty yeah. percent. They're women. Eight, oh, yeah. oh, six we have two boys. Women. Two boys. Yeah, two boys. Are they more like doing the heavy work stuff? No, actually, no. yeah, changing life all of them, moving that. Yeah, no, one of the no, guys more nice. um, okay. data based. So uh, uh, both of them quite oh, sure. maybe um, quite technical, technical yeah. side yeah. of things. Actually, Ooh. yeah, you need those kind of people. Mm. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So of course you already sold off the first one thousand. Right? Yes, of yes. course, of course. <laughs> okay, luckily. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. So how's the business going? And what's your goal? What's your dream from here? I think our first stage of our dream, probably, because we don't want to sell the thousand bottles. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sell the rest of our products first. No, I think it's more like the first stage is just to be the first Taiwanese brand that's cruelty-free, vegan, that's very on-trend, fun, um, that has a nice packaging for the young people to post on their Instagram, but at the same time has actually really good ingredients that's good for your skin. Oh, Mm. good. So I guess you have a design team too right yes it's still just four products or you got you're gonna no we have more a lot of products now we have like face mask moisturizer they say the whole cleanser we have like yeah we have a simple line right now oh wow Mm. and some tools yeah, face lifting tools like firming tools you guys are fast yeah we're pretty fast Yeah, because I mean, what you just started like three, four years ago? Four. No, actually, I think all the product um, built in within a year. Yeah, the first year. Yeah, so we rebranded last year, mm. July, July thirteenth. Yeah. So literally next month is our one year old. Oh wow! Congratulations! One year anniversary. Oh, I see. Well, you mean with the new name that is mm-hmm, with the new name, yeah. right? With a new name, yes. Yeah, mm. yeah. Okay, so but um, but you guys have a line of products already. Mm. Yeah, so. I think those ideas are accumulated since the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't happen in one day. Well, what kind of people are mostly your customers? I mean, um, or age group, I guess I should say. 
Um, I think 20 to 35. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were quite surprising. We actually have a lot of male customers. I was just going to ask that. Yeah. Really? Yes. We do have a lot of male customers, actually. I mean, did you guys make any products pertaining to men? Because I think once they use our product, we changed their life. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, wow, I have glowing skin now. So I'm, gonna, I'm yeah, down to we use We seriously it. have some, fr- of course, started off from friends. And, and yeah, some friends used our product and maybe they never used any skincare in their life in the past. You're talking about men? Yes. But they were supporting friends and they want to try our product. And after they tried it, they, they were like, I am in love with it. Really? Hmm. So you actually don't differentiate your product between men and women, right? Yeah, well, we try not to. Right. Yeah, we try because not to. Because it has to do with skin type. But hmm. I'm curious, though. I mean, men's skin type and women's skin type, are they similar? Or I, I would think that they are different. I think, honestly, it's just in different criterias. Like um, yeah. I said just then, it's more like if you you have normal skin, that's the perfect pH balance. Or do you have combination skin? Or do you have dry skin? Or do you have mm. sensitive skin? I think it just goes into categories like that. Ah. Yeah. Skin-wise, t- yeah. uh, mm. similar, very similar. It's very uh, similar. I, I think, think difference is in behavior. Uh, in behavior. Like they, they skincare routine. Uh, how, right, right, right. how they like to use the product and how do they like use it uh-huh. and it's I think different. it's also about the hormone levels too yes okay. yeah so I think women in general we have like sensitive skin because yeah. like you know with our hormone level yes. every single month like we get acnes easier uh-huh. and our mood swings yes. that actually kind of also affects your skin type this is so neat this is mm. so neat going back on you know just your dream I mean where do you guys want to go with no male skincare our next goal definitely will want to be the first skincare in Taiwan. Right. Mm. And you know that you are. I mean, in terms of vegan and... Cruelty-free. Yeah, cruelty-free. Mm. You, are, you I, are the first? Well, I think we're... Actually, I think we do find a gap in the market because biotech in Taiwan in general is actually very, very strong and powerful they're actually right. really good but i think um people tend to see korea as more of like the skincare empire right i know but when we actually started this we realized honey's biotech companies are actually really really good and we really want to like promote this out to the world and I think like a lot of Taiwanese brands are actually good, um, but more like they don't have the marketing skills and branding um, skills to push their brands further out. And I think Asian, they just have this culture of sticking to their old routine. Uh-huh. And if they find a way that, oh, we're still making money, we're still earning, why are we pushing ourselves even more, right? Uh-huh. But I feel like Western cultures, they want to push out. They want to sell in um, China, Taiwan. They want to sell out in the Asia market. They want to push out instead of just being in the States or being in uh, Europe. So I think for us, you know, uh, first step is Taiwan, but hopefully we can branch out to other countries too. So your customers are not just within Taiwan, it seems. Mm, like, yeah, we have a lot so of Malaysian of, customers in Singapore. Oh, okay, um, internship to Japan, yeah, Japan, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, we have quite a lot of yeah, customers Kong, around definitely. the world. Shipping, you guys like, will ship shipping to those by orders too. Yeah. Wow, mm. this is a very fast-growing business. Yes. You, yeah, you guys are doing good, it mm. seems like. So we wow. have like distributors wanting to work with us already oh, really? from different countries. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I think it's more like, you know, being careful with each step now. Because yeah. now we have more of like a business brain, right? Now, yeah. like through experiences, <laughs> I think now we kind of like learned from the past. And now we have to pick carefully with how the branding supposed to go. Uh, mm. So how do you guys want to expand? 
your business? I mean, are you thinking about branching into something else or? I think with the whole COVID situation now, I think the business model is going to shift to being more focused on e-commerce, right? Um, I think people would love to shop online these days because we can't go out. So I think um, that business model is going to shift. So I think this year, I think we're still going to be focused on e-commerce at the moment. But hopefully we can be doing some pop-up stores, maybe in Taipei and then maybe in Taichung, Tainan. Maybe just like do a lot of like pop-ups in Taiwan first. Good luck! Thank, Thank you. you really. This has been really great. I mean, learning so much from the two of you. You guys really is an inspiration. You know, very inspiring. I mean, the way you guys work together. You give so much hope on people who want to think about entrepreneurship or something mm. like that. But this is really awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. Thank you.